You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. It was 20 years ago when we packed out 20 chairs in our house. And I started preaching when God builds His church. The first service was 17 people. The following service was 15 people. The week after that, we took a step of faith and bought another 20 chairs, and there were even less people. I think the week after that, there was 11 people, and the fifth week, there was only nine people in the service, and I'm preaching when God builds his church. Nine of those, out of the the nine people there that day, I think six was my own family, amen, (laughs) coming to support me. And I wrote it on Facebook this week. That morning when I prayed, getting ready to minister on when God builds his church, God shared with me and said, this is serious business. Church business is serious business. And through what you teach people, you can take a whole church to hell. Or you can point them in the direction of heaven. And the fear of God came upon me and I realized it's very serious what we teach, amen. What we say is very important. What do you say about your situation and your circumstances? We are here to celebrate 20 years of grace and miracles today. 20 years of grace and miracles. When we started the church, it started with words. Started with Belinda and myself sitting down and discussing and asking what kind of a church do we believe God wants us to have? We asked questions like, what kind of pastors are we going to be? Because a lot of these things you purpose in your heart before the time. Start talking about it, start saying it, because words that become actions can change your life. Things that we say that seem very ordinary in the natural has an extraordinary effect in the spirit. Things that you do that seem very natural can have an extraordinary effect in the spirit. Amen? James 3 says, Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. Even though you find yourself in a storm, a big ship, it's controlled by a small rudder. There's something in that for all of us. When you face a storm, what do you say? What do you declare? Because that small rudder determines what happens in a storm. What are you confessing today? What are you declaring today? Turn to the person next to you and say, you look beautiful. Look to the person on the other side and say, you look amazing. And it's great to make these confessions here in church. But what will you be confessing tomorrow? What will you be declaring tomorrow? Your words can give your life direction, like a rudder gives a boat direction, steers it, your words can give your life direction. What are you confessing about the future? What are you confessing about your life? Matter of fact, your life will never rise above your confession. If you say nothing is working out, everything is going wrong, why are you complaining? Enough. Your life will never rise above your confession. 
What are you saying about the church? I mean, the church has gone through a season of transformation in the past few years after COVID. What do you say about the church? What do you confess about the church? Today we see all the different cultures come together and it's beautiful. But what would you say tomorrow? What are you declaring tomorrow? The Bible says that in James 3, with this same mouth, we bless God. But then when we see people that have made us angry and offended, we curse them. And he says, this should not be. He says, where there's a well of clean water, bitter water and sweet water cannot come from the same fountain. So how is it that we can come to church and say, Jesus, I love you, God bless you. And then you walk out and you see somebody, oh, you. Says it should not be. Amen? I grow up, parents says, if you cannot say something good about somebody, just keep quiet. God's nature is to give. John 10.10, 10, to give us life and life in abundance. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Sometimes we kill, steal, and destroy with our words, the things that we say. Words can sometimes do more damage than anything else. As believers, confess what you believe, not what you see. Around us, there are so many things going on, negative things. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can point the finger. But it takes somebody with the Spirit of God on the inside to confess and declare the Word of God, to confess the truth, to confess heaven's opinion over a situation. Amen? Am I talking to the right people here? Do you want a better tomorrow? Do you want a better tomorrow? Do you know how it starts? It starts with your words. What are you saying about your tomorrow? Do you say things cannot work out, things are only going to get worse, or even if things get darker, I know my God will make a way. Even when things seem impossible for others, I know things are possible for my God. I'm not saying things are just going to get better. We know when we read our Bibles, things will get tougher. There will be difficult seasons, amen? But God is here to lead us and to guide us. What do you confess? What do you declare? Turn to the person next to you say, you look great. Turn to the person on the other side say, keep on smiling. You look happy. Amen? What we see can have such an impact on how we feel. But we should not look at what we see. We should look at this word that's a mirror and let it show us what to believe and what to confess. Can I tell you something? As I was looking at the Viva Foundation choir, looking at them, I was thinking, you know, there's so much potential on the inside of them. What God can do in them and through them. And looking at them, people would sometimes just go say something to make people feel good. But you know the truth is that you are the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person on the other side and say, whether you like it or not, 
You are the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. That's something to think about. Job 33 verse 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Wow. The Spirit of God has made me. And the very thing that gives me life is the breath of God. Ruach. The breath of God. Your real value is in who's made you. You know, people always want to wear brands and labels and things. Because they place value on the person who made it. Certain names are maybe not even better quality, but just because of the name, you're going to pay 10 times more. The creator of the universe has made you. That's the label on you. That's why you have value. That's why you are precious. Even if you've messed up, even if you come from a dark past, as soon as God's light starts to shine in your life, it expels all shades of darkness. Amen. That's what makes you unique. God's stamp of approval upon you. Amen. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. The thing that God values most about you is beyond human comprehension. Because in our hearts, we are made to be like God. The thing that God values most about you is not on the outside. It's what's on the inside. That's what he sees. Are you there, Ephesians? 1 verse 22. Let me just get there. The church is here to declare the word of God. One message on a day like this that becomes a prophetic word can give your life new direction. A sermon can become a prophetic message for your life. When you take it to heart and you allow it to become an integral part of you, by its very nature, it will start to change you. And you'll find yourself walking with God, acting with God, planning with God. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Turn to the person next to you say, I love my church. Turn to the person on the other side and say, I love my church. You know, the church is the reservoir of God's power. When you are linked up to a living church, things in your life will automatically start to change. Look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There's a sermon just in that. Turn to the person next to you, say, You belong. Turn to the person on the other side, say, welcome home. Amen. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. Where we're not orphans, we're not foreigners, but we become part of something that's greater than ourselves. 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted. Who of you had to do some fitting before you came to church? Your outfits. You say to the tailor, what went wrong with your measurements? What went wrong with the measurements? I mean, <laughs> my, my son and myself, we had to adjust some things. Amen. But he did a great job. Amen. Fit. Talks about discomfort. To fit in today in society because social media has set a new norm and standard instead of looking what the Word of God says. He says, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, not the foundation of social media, not the foundation of, let me not say all the, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Don't build on the wrong foundation. Being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built. Turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, no. You know, when you have to be built in sometimes, maybe you feel it's not the time for me to be built in. I know in this building project, we all see the beautiful building now. But there was times on this building site when it was in a process, when there was not carpets here, where there were not these things hanging. That's painful. Because it means change. To fit in, to be where God wants you to be, to be built in. Living stones. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know why God wants you to be built in? Because he wants reconciliation. If we are not built in, if we don't find our place, there cannot be reconciliation. The only way that many of us can be built in, because bricks have got sharp edges, do you know some people with sharp edges? Are you one of those? The Bible says the only way that that brick can be built in is there must be mortar in between it. And that mortar is the love of God. When the love of God is there, we can be built in. When the love of God is there between me and you, I can start loving you. As Christ loved me, I can start loving you. What did the apostles and the prophets teach? That there's one foundation that you can build on, and that's Jesus Christ. He says, take heed how you build on it. Not with hay and stubble and wood, things that can be destroyed by fire, but build with gold and silver. Build with those things that are precious, so that when it gets tested by fire, it's not consumed. When we are built in, we are no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners. Everybody wants to feel that they belong. As a matter of fact, you want to be in the inner circle. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring us close to him that we don't have to feel far away. And he uses the church as that vehicle 
Turn to the person next to you and say, I love my church. I want to say this church is not perfect. You can say amen. Because if you, if you think you're perfect, nobody's perfect, amen. And even if there was a perfect church, if any of us joined, the church wouldn't be perfect anymore, amen. <laughs> One thing that I've learned is that I cannot judge the majority that are trying to get it right in church by the minority that got it wrong. Can I say that again? Let's not judge the majority and say, ah, oh, church. Everybody's got a sad song. I've just told you, bricks have got sharp edges. When you are building brick on brick, <coughs> but when it's brick on mortar, I can find my rightful place. Amen? I love the church. I love household of Christ. I love what God is doing here. My heart, our hearts are to pastor here. Most of the Sundays we are here because we love the church. We get opportunities, but I try and be here most. Every Sunday we are here ministering because we love the church. Amen. We believe in the church. We believe it's the body of Christ. Amen. The church has a mandate, a responsibility to go into the world, an assignment. The gates of hell are coming against people, but the Bible gives us the assurance that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. Amen? Just look around you. Just look around you. Can you see the church is alive? Just look around you. Just see the people that are here today. It's extraordinary what God is doing here. Extraordinary. And that's what God has called us to do. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can say, that's wrong. Shouldn't do it like that. That would be better. Anybody can do that. But it takes somebody filled with the Spirit of God to show the more excellent way. Jesus didn't come to criticize. He came to show us a more excellent way. Came to bring correction. Yes, the Word of God is there to bring correction. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can break down. Show the more excellent way. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, I love my church. The mandate of the church, the mandate of the church is to magnify the name of Jesus. The mandate of the church is when we come together that we worship God in spirit and in truth. The mandate of the church is to preach truth, to tell people love the truth. You know, this, the, on, the, on the birthday, the Thursday, even the evening already, the Wednesday evening into the Thursday morning as it was the church birthday, as I was just praying and meditating. That's the message that God gave me. I said, God, what is it for household of Christ? What is the message? Love my truth. Love my truth. Turn to the person next to you and look them in the eyes. Say, ask them, do you still love the truth? You know, and as I was meditating about that, you know what? You can love cultural Sunday more than the truth. You can like dressing up nicely more than God. I can like preaching more than God. I can love my wife more than God. I can love my children. I can love my job. I can love my career. I can love my qualification. There are so many things that we can love more than God. It says, love 
the truth, love the truth, and teach my people to love the truth. And that's our commitment, that it will teach you to love the truth. It will preach the truth, number one, but that you would love the truth. Can you see the need to pray, Lord, place within my heart a genuine desire for your word, for your truth, for your holiness? How many people pray those kind of prayers? Place a genuine desire in my heart for your word, for your holiness, for your truth. If everything is about purity of heart, and if we come together because we want to see God, Matthew 5 verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. How many people will pray and say, sanctify my heart, sanctify me, cleanse me before you bless me? No, God, no, 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 no. Just give me the blessings. I need the blessings and I need them now. Am I talking to the right people here? The church is so important because the church is the pillar and ground of all truth. So if you want to finish strong and love the truth, be connected to a church. Amen? Be connected to a church. Be connected to that reservoir of God's power. You know why I love the church? Because Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. He treasures the church more than anything else. He's busy preparing the church, cleansing the church, so that she can be a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without any blemish. That's the church that he's coming back to. A bride that is clothed beautifully. Are you ready to be part of that? Turn to the person next to you and say, I love my church. Can I tell you something? I want to be part of what Jesus is doing. And what God is doing, he's doing in and through his church. He's coming back for his church. Most of the letters in this Bible, in the New Testament, are written to churches. Not individuals, churches. As a pastor that understand and have a passion for the church, I want everybody to be part of a church. Yes, you can get hurt in a church. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Most of us have had somebody say something in a church or do something or sit on your chair. But can I tell you something? The disappointments, the disappointments, really. Go look at the benefits. It outweighs the disappointments. It's like a relationship. You have to work at it the whole time, amen? I become a good husband when my strengths are more than my weaknesses. That doesn't mean I don't have mistakes. I make mistakes. But they are more coming to church and being part of the body of Christ. If you want to find and discover your purpose, it's in the church. Can I have one amen? Has it been that bad? Mm. <laughs> Turn to the person that you say, I love my church. <laughs> I want to be part where God is busy building his church. He's building his church. Jesus died for the church. We might as well live for it. Amen. If he's coming back for his body, he's coming back for his church. I mean, every one of the letters in Revelation are written to churches. 
So how would you get the message if you're not in a church? The pillar and ground of all truth. Do you know why I love my church? Because I need my church. Because there are people with strengths that I don't have. And I've got strengths they don't have. And I need you like you need me. And that's how God has made it. This body is linked to each other. The thumb is linked to the hand. The hand to the arm, the arm to the elbow, the elbow to the shoulder. And when this shoulder is hurting, it affects my whole arm. But this part of the body can help me. And I can go to other people that can help me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you like you need me. Can I tell you something? All godly men and godly women they have godly habits. When you look at Daniel, Daniel went on his knees three times a day, opened his window, and he prayed. Do you know what was one of our Jesus godly habits? Let me see your hand. Who of you would like a Jesus godly habit? Luke 4 verse 16, you know what it says? Jesus went to church as his custom. Jesus' habit was to go to church. Is that still your habit? Is it still your habit to go to church? I want to challenge you a little bit. You know, after COVID, church attendance all over the world has gone down. We thank God for everybody that's here, but there are many churches who's not even back at 50 to 60% of capacity. In America right now, they say people on average, average, go to church every six weeks. Every six weeks. Can I just talk as a pastor? Sometimes when people say to me, how long are, how long are your services? I'm going to say, mm, six hours. No. <laughs> Say <laughs> <No, but, laughs> so two hours. <clears throat> so what? 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 Are, what? Are, what are the, so I like statistics. My t- I like statistics. I say okay, two hours. So what? Are, what are they trying to figure out? Am I now taking two hours from them? They only want one hour. Let me tell you the calculations that I'm doing from my side as a pastor. Two hours. Two hours. I think there's 168 hours in a week. So if you coming, you giving two hours in a week. That's less than two percent that you're giving to God. So do you still want to have that conversation? Because where is that going? Amen? <clears throat> That's if you come for two hours. I, do the, I think it's 1.1% of all the hours in the week that you're giving. I'm going to make a sacrifice and come to church. A 1% sacrifice. 1% is not sacrifice. Am I talking to the right people here? You know, if, if the statistics are right and people are going one in every six weeks, there's 52 weeks in a year. That's, that's about eight to nine times a year that you're going to go to church. That's if we count the whole day that you're spending in church. Compared to 365 days that you're on your cell phone, looking at social media, you have friends around you that do not serve Jesus, You're watching movies that's influencing you. You're watching news that's influencing you. Can I put a challenge out to you? I want to challenge you to come to church for a year. Make a commitment and come to church for a year. Mommy, daddy, do you think your children with what's waiting in the future, you can afford to only bring them to church every three weeks? 
every six weeks with what they have to face. The church is the pillar and ground of all truth. Unless you've got a good program at home that you're running with them and you're teaching them. But then you still have to come to church because the Bible says do not neglect the assembly of the saints as the manner of some, even as you see the day approaching. So in the last days, it's actually saying, get in church more. I need you like you need me. A matter of fact, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Acts 2.46, they, they went to church, they met daily in the church and went from house to house. Daily. People say, I want revival. You know what revival means? Revival means church every day. Mm. Two hours of two times. No, no, it's... <laughs> Do you still love the truth? Do you still love the truth? Because you can go read Matthew 24, go read Luke, go read Mark. When it starts talking about the last days, the warning is... Do not let anybody deceive you. Do not let anybody deceive you that you think you can survive without the body of Christ, without the church. It's like this thumb coming to me and telling me, it's better for me to disconnect. How is it better to disconnect? How is it better? I need the thumb like the thumb needs me. The body will start to adapt and be able to survive without this when it's gone but it cannot survive without the body. The Bible says in Acts, they went from house to house, they met in the church daily, praising God and giving thanks to Him. That's what it's all about. Do you know how people stop going to church? They start saying, I don't need the church. I can be on my own. I've got a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a relationship just with Jesus. It's about what God has given you, what you can give back to the body of Christ. It's using your strength to strengthen the body of Christ. That's what it's about. Do you know why most people don't want to be part? Because we've become very comfortable. We just want the experience on the deck of the ship. But we don't want to be in the engine room. Am I talking to the right people here? You know, we want all the blessings. Uh, who of you like nice cars here? Gentlemen, what is the best car? What is the best option? What is it? Bugatti, hmm? Maserati, <clears throat> Ferrari, whatever. Let me tell you something. In the church, when we tell you the truth is, when you, when you come into the showroom, you'll see all the nice cars there. Once you've bought the car, they take you into the workshop and they say, just come look here. You walk in there, no ways. A Bugatti without an engine, what are they doing? A, a Ferrari, they're working on it, what, why? Because it's all about maintenance. It's about maintenance. It's the same in a kitchen. We can sit in the dining room and you just see the nice table. And Jesus wants to bless you and wants to give you all the good things. But the other part is there, there's a kitchen where the preparation takes place. Amen? Am I talking to the right people here? You know, yesterday, people had to be here early. 
if you're going to make a sacrifice, it's going to cost you. Yesterday, we had a wonderful workshop with the Department of Social Development, Tutukisa, and Champions Club. And it was wonderful, but the truth is, some people had to be here very early to start to clean up, to set up everything, to get it ready. Are you ready to make those sacrifices? Because we're not just here to receive, we're also here to give. Do you hear my heart? Sometimes we, we have to get into on the building site and actually start building and not just come in and enjoy a nice building. God wants us to enjoy that. He wants you to be on the deck of the ship and enjoy all of that. But sometimes he says, let me take you into the engine room as well. Sometimes it's nice just to sit down and to have a nice meal. But you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes it's more fulfilling to be in that kitchen and to prepare everything to be a blessing to people. Can I tell you why we need the church? Because two believers are better than one. And where two believers gather together, God says, I will be there. And it's there where people change. People don't change on their own. People become weird on their own. Because if you sit on your own on an island and you start to talk, I wonder what is the best way to do this. But there's nobody to lead or to guide you. Then you start making your own plans and you go in the wrong direction. And if we leave you for three months or three years thinking wrong things, completely haywire, moving in the wrong direction completely. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you like you need me. Do you know what is the goal for us as Christians? Is for Christ to be formed on the inside. And for Christ to be formed on the inside, I need you, I need me. You Actually, you need the church because it's there where Christ is being formed on the inside of us. To be like Jesus takes a lot of sacrifice, takes a lot of commitment. You know, there's a saying on a building site, whatever can go wrong at one stage probably will go wrong. No, I rebuke that. You can rebuke it. That's fine. If you buy a car and you think you're never going to have to fill it with petrol, you're never going to have to pump the tires, you cannot think like that. When you're on a building site, more than likely things are going to go wrong. But then you need people to show you how to fix it. Can I tell you something as a Christian? I heard somebody say, if you're a Christian long enough, they're probably going to do to you what they did to Jesus somewhere along the line. Am I talking to the right people here? I don't, I don't just want to show you the nice cars in the showroom. I want to tell you, listen, let's be ready. But when it comes, we're ready. Because the disciples said, we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character. And character, hope, and the hope of God does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. When you in a living church where people are born again, born of love, the love is more than the hurt. The disappointment is far less than the good things that God will do in your life and through your life. You might feel down, but to have two, three brothers next to you just lift you up and say, I'm here with you. That's why the Bible says, love the brotherhood. Being part, yes, give the Lord a hand. You know, just because you bought some carrots at a shop and they were off, 
He's saying, I'll never, ever go to that shop again. No. You go back. Amen. Maybe you go back with the carriage and you say, what happened here? And they say, let's talk about it and let's sort it out and maybe you get an exchange. Amen. If you've not eaten half of them or you didn't buy them three months ago, you know, sometimes people take chances as well. And the same in the church. We can work through things. We can talk about things. A matter of fact, the church is there to teach us how to communicate. It's one of the things that we're going to do from next year, teach young people to communicate. Not on WhatsApp. Communicate. Because what you think is communicate and what we know as communication is two different things. Amen. So you can teach me about social media. I want to grow. But we're going to teach you how to communicate as well. Amen. Because sometimes... Those messages have messed up more relationships than anybody else. Because you're saying a friendly, yes, come, let's do it. And the person is saying, that's a, yes, okay, do it. You think, they don't really want to do it with me. No, I want, I just said yes. No, but it was a funny yes. But how do you know it was a funny yes? <laughs> that's why you have to come to church. Amen. Can I just say this? about building projects. They usually take longer and they cost more. And it's the same with relationships and friendships. Sometimes it takes longer to build good friendships and it will probably cost you more than what you th were thinking originally. Because most times we go into relationship for what we can get out of the person instead of going in what we can give. I want to close with this. I'm not a muso, but here I've got a guitar string. Got a guitar string here. It's designed for a specific purpose, to be on a guitar. And when it's on a guitar, it can actually be useful, can play beautiful music. Can I use this for something else on its own? Yeah, sure. I can probably use it as a belt. I can probably use it to hang some of these beautiful fabric. But it wouldn't reach its full potential. I could probably go and lock the doors with it and tie the handles together. I can do that, but that's not the purpose that it was designed for. It was designed to be part of an instrument that can be played. And many times we focus so much on being an individual. The me. I can do my own thing. And you can do your own thing. And God can probably use this in a lot of ways. I can probably, if my glasses are falling off, I can connect it to my glasses and tie it around my head and can say, look how wonderfully God is using that guitar string that didn't have a place to keep the pastor's glasses on. But it's not the original purpose it was designed for. It was designed, where's Niku? Niku, bring your electric guitar. It was designed originally to be part of this. Now let me just look at this. Interesting, you can correct me, but this is called the head of the guitar. And that's called the body of the guitar. And for this really to have value, it needs to be connected to the head. You know what we do these days? We say, I'm connected to Jesus. 
I'm connected to Jesus, so I can go on. And you can go on with Jesus on your own, but you'll never reach your full potential for what you were designed for if it's just you and Jesus. If you want your full potential, you need to be connected to the body, to the head and to the body. Guess what? To tune this, you're going to have to put some tension. Uh-huh. <laughs> to tune this to make the right sound, it needs tension. And sometimes it's been tightened, and you think you cannot go anymore. And God says, let me just stretch you a little bit more. So some of you think you've been going through a crisis. You should change your confession and say, God's been tuning me. <laughs> some of you, when you are under tension, when God is tuning you, you're tuning people. That's not the purpose, amen? <laughs> the master is tuning you, amen, to have that perfect sound. So it's the tension, the tension between the head here and the body, that tension. God, in his wisdom, that tension, he turns it into intention so that you can come in the body with a purpose and do what you have to do. It's here where ordinary becomes extraordinary. So just, just play the one string. Even I can do that. Dong, 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 dong. Dong, 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 dong. This string has a specific place on that neck. Can I just go anywhere? Can I just say, you cannot just do anything. You cannot just do anything. You have to be where God has placed you. Okay, play a chord. So a chord, I know that can be more than one string and a special way that the strings are being squeezed. Amen. Am I right? That's a chord. Most of us can do that as well. Okay, now play something. Do something, do something. Can you do? Yeah. Beautiful, give the Lord a hand. Just put a four, Ephesians 4.16 up for me quickly. The Bible says when the church... Every person finds their rightful place. I know where I'm supposed to be on this. I'm not jealous because this string is above there and I'm there in the middle because I have my purpose. I have my purpose. Ephesians 4.16. For whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. Do you know what it says? 
when you find your rightful place, there's no need for me as a pastor to edify you anymore. You will edify yourself in love because you find your rightful place in the body of Christ. People need edification the whole time, and we're here to edify you because they've not found their rightful place in the body of Christ. But when you find your rightful place, every member starts to do what it's supposed to do. I want to leave you with this thought. It's easy to say they should do it like that, or that needs to be done. Can I tell you something? When you're part of the body of Christ and you can see a need, you're more than likely the person that should meet the need. They need more ushers to greet people. Become an usher. They need some more people to show them where to park and how to park. Start to park the cars. If you don't have the ability to do it, then you can start to talk about it and give some advice and counsel. But I can tell you most of the time, if you can see it, meet the need. Because then the body is edifying itself in love. I don't have to run and say, please come and help. You come to me and you say, I want to help. Amen? And the body starts to edify and build itself up. Turn to the person next to you say, I love my church. Turn to the person on the other side say, I love my church. I'm closing with this. What you say is very important, but what you do is just as important. Let your words and your actions line up. That's true faith. Happy birthday, household of Christ. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.